So the big question is this, how can I live a life of purpose and meaning and still pay my mortgage? I had the good six-figure corporate job, but it got to a point where I felt like I was going to be sick every day on my way to work. I knew there had to be a better way. So I hung up my corporate suit and I put on my yoga pants. I've spent the last 20 plus years searching for answers. I've traveled to the ends of the earth, studying with gurus and teachers, chasing balance and clarity and crafting a life of purpose. I'm deeply passionate about helping other seekers and entrepreneurs do the same. I'm Leanne Wolke and this is The Epic Journey. Join me and my guests as I share lessons learned along my personal growth and entrepreneurial journey. Carmen Marshall is the founder of Soulcraft, a modern spirited company and educational programs, products, courses, gifts, and wisdom to help you create a life you really actually love while earning great money and, yes, figuring out how to have it all. Based on her distinctive body of work that focuses on a unique East meets West approach, Carmen is a fierce advocate for designing your work around your lifestyle and teaches women from around the world how to craft their souls and their pocketbooks. Her eight-week signature online and intimate immersion program for entrepreneurs, Soulcraft Your Way to 100K, is now being taught in 20 countries. You can find Carmen supporting her tribe of soul crafters online, on Instagram, Facebook, and her live workshop and retreats around the world. So welcome to the podcast, Carmen. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you here. Um, I always just consider you such a bright light and wanted to get you on to talk about your entrepreneurial journey and insights you have and um, just so much of your wisdom. Oh, thank you, Leanne. I'm super excited to be here. And it's, we go a little ways back, so it's always really good to connect personally, but also on a business level too. So really happy to be here. Yes. Well, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, absolutely. I um, never thought I would be an entrepreneur. You know, when I went through, I mean, I don't even think I had it in my vocabulary growing up even. Although both of my parents were quite quote unquote entrepreneurial in a sense that my dad was, was a minister, but he worked from home. So he didn't, you know, he had a boss essentially at the church, but he essentially was running his own business. And my mom was a mom, but she also always had some type of, um, you know, different things that she would make and sell. So it's quite interesting that I actually kind of grew up with parents who weren't in a normal nine to five job, but I never thought about being an entrepreneur. I, um, I always loved like English and philosophy and that type of thing. So even when I went to university, it was as an English lit major. Um, and I never would have, like, if someone had said, like, why don't you take a business class? I would have been like, no, <laughs> that doesn't sound interesting at all. <laughs> but what happened is I graduated and my husband at the time, we both went over and lived in South Korea for a year and a half. And we quote unquote, got our dream jobs. I was managing an English lang language institute. And, um, it always been my dream to work in different countries. So this, this ticked all the boxes. But when I was working for this company and specifically this boss, I realized I was working really hard to make him wealthy and I didn't like what I was doing. And that's where the first kind of little bit of discontent where I was like, he has a business, he's making tons of money, but I'm actually the one that's doing all the work. What if I had my own business and took my work ethic and put it into that? 
And that was the first aha moment for me. Unfortunately, my, my husband at the time too was super supportive of that. He was always like, because my, my, you're going to laugh at this, but my dream previous to that was like to work for a company, get a corner office, you know, go through the ranks, like just what you think you should do. So he was always like, that's, that's not a big enough dream. You, you just want a corner office. <laughs> so he was super supportive. So um, I started looking at different businesses that I could do. And then the rude awakening came because we didn't come, neither of us from wealthy families and we really couldn't afford much for a business. And I always tell the story that the two things I could afford was, were a dog wash franchise. And I love cats. I love, dogs are okay, but that's not my idea of loving what I do. And then a, <laughs> a mail order company, which would have meant, you know, receiving all this mail, licking stamps. And, and so that just was not going to tick the boxes either. So I felt a little bit despondent and a, a friend, and by this time we'd moved to Australia and a friend said, well, why do you, why don't you look at network marketing? And initially I said, no, I, because I had all these ideas of what network marketing was and, you know, was not something good in my mind, but he was very persistent and, and he very nicely said, well, what do you know? And I had to admit, I didn't know anything. So I told him, well, I'll sit down and look at it. I can't promise I'll do it, but I'll have an open mind about it. And then long story short, when I saw what network marketing was, which to me, why, why, why I joined it, besides the fact I could have my own business, was that if you helped other people be successful, that's what would make you successful. And I just thought that's just such a beautiful principle. So I built network marketing up for many years and then used that income to then start other passion businesses. And it's why I'm so passionate about network marketing because it really gives a lot of people not only good training for business, sales, team, networking, everything, but it also gives you the income to set up your passion businesses as well. So I really see it as a vehicle. And I learned so much during those. I mean, I'm still involved. It's still one of my biggest income streams, but it's allowed me to set up other businesses. So as an answer to your question was, no, I would have never thought I would have been an entrepreneur. But um, it's what's interesting is once I started my first network marketing company, I then once turned around and sold it. And there was a period after I sold it, before I went on to my second network marketing company, that I went to work for somebody. And it was in that little window that I was like, I cannot work for someone. So I very quickly went from never would have imagined being an entrepreneur to being basically unemployable in the corporate world. So, which I know you can resonate with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually completely unemployable. And I actually, I, I think you know, is that, um, my husband was always our primary breadwinner and th what I did was kind of on the side and money I got to spend however I wanted. And um, when he wasn't working, it kind of was this big wake up for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really have to make something work here. Um, and, you know, I went back thinking at one point, like, well, maybe I have to go back and get my corporate job back. And, you know, recruiters used to call me every week and I reached out to a recruiter and they like rejected me flatly. And I was a little hurt, but I was like, oh my gosh, I guess I really am unemployable at this point, which is a huge blessing, right? <laughs> you, you take so for granted the things when you're an entrepreneur, like choosing when you exercise or choosing when you take your holidays or how long you work or don't work. Like there's so much freedom. Like, and we probably work harder. I mean, I definitely worked hard when I was a nine to five, but this is a different type of working hard because you're working at different hours, but you love doing it. So it doesn't matter. You know, I'd rather work hard doing something I love than hard. I mean, if you're in a nine to five job, you're going to be working hard anyway. So kind of choose your heart. No, I, I completely agree. I would rather work seven days a week and whatever. Um, 
you know, available for my team whenever and being able to, to have my own choice versus somebody else's agenda. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say? Did you, you know, you're always someone who has such a beautiful state, such a high vibration that you operate with. And that comes through in everything you do, even in your social media and in your website and in any interactions. What do you do to keep yourself in that peak state? Mm, such a great question. Well, I have to say it's more learned than anything. So I didn't really grow up as kind of like, you know, some people are just bright and, and Pollyanna and just, you know, like nothing ever gets them down. I wouldn't say it was more a learned thing for me. Um, and I learned there were some physical things that would make a huge difference. So things like eating well and exercising and dance is a really go-to for me teaching dance because that keeps me in a very high vibration. And then even I, I learned very early on and it was part of the reason I became a health coach in the early days is that depending on what I would eat would really affect my mood. So I really take care of the physical stuff as well as the spiritual and emotional stuff because we are in a physical body and no matter what we do, how spiritual we are, how connected we are to emotions, we've got to take care of our physical body. So I, I really believe in that sleep, water, exercising well, and then doing just something with movement. And I know you know that because of you know, have, doing yoga for so many years and owning and you know, being in that world, it just helps you stay in that state where you're more resourceful and you can more quickly catch yourself when you're getting into a bad mood. So I think the physical, um, and then I think really, I'm really big about, and I know a lot of people are really big about gratitude, but I learned something that I've still done to this day at a retreat I went to probably, oh, it's gotta be seven or eight years ago. And it's just very simple when you go to bed at night, just counting off on your fingers, the things that you're grateful for. And I find not only does that put me to sleep because you're in this relaxed state, so I fall asleep immediately. But it's just a really good way to book in that day. And I know a lot of people write their gratitude, which I think is fantastic as well. But I like, for me, I really like this because it's kind of my practice at night. I fall asleep really quickly and it's very easy to do as well. And I'm all about ease. So that's something that I really practice. And then I think as much as we can doing the things that we love every day. And for anyone listening, if, if you aren't in your dream job right now, or you're not, or you're going through a tough time, even in your business, that's, that's so happens. Like even in my business, there's things that really get me down too. But what I always go back to is at least having something every day that I love doing. So dancing, teaching dance, petting my cats, getting out in nature. And just that quick little break changes our vibration and helps us deal with the things that come up in life. Because there's, there's always like, it doesn't end no matter how much money you make or how, much, how successful you begin. Like there's always problems. Always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, and it doesn't, you know, I, I don't think that's ever going to change, but I think how we deal with it and um, if we can every day focus on something that we love, that brings the good energy back and it makes us feel more resourceful. And I really think, um, you know, we have such an episode of depression in, in the United States now. I mean, well, actually not just United States, we hear about a lot here, but just worldwide. And of course there is the physical, there is also the hopelessness, you know, in different people's circumstances. But I really feel if you can at least do something that you love every day, even for a moment, that will extend your feeling good. And then you can feel a little bit better and a little bit better, et cetera. And if we can concentrate, how can I feel good? How can I, from wherever I feel now, just feel a little bit better. 
And then that helps the whole feeling good, which can, can cascade and, and roll over into other things. So start, start small. If you're going through the toughest thing in your business or the toughest thing in your relationship, just try to have something every day that you really look forward to. And that will give you the, the resourcefulness to help deal with your situation. It's a great practice. Great suggestion. Uh, you know what I'm seeing a lot of right now, and I don't know if, if you've heard of this. I'm hearing a lot of people who um, have this fear of rejection. So it's, they're afraid of getting the no, so they never even do the thing. They never even ask for what they want. Yeah. What would you say to somebody, like within the last week, I've probably had four or five people come to me with that exact scenario. Yeah. What would you say to them? Yeah, that's, it's really real because that's just a, um, it, as humans, it, it goes way back to when we lived in tribes where you didn't want to ostracize yourself because you'd be left alone and you would be attacked by animals. So we, we really have this sense that we want to be part of the tribe and we want to be liked. You know, and that's, I think, in all of us in varying degrees. I think to really work on you know, how much am I doing or how much am I basing my self-worth on other people liking me to really look at that. And that, that can take practice. Like I even, for me, I was very much a people pleaser when I was young. And you think that you get it out of your system, but every once in a while it'll rear its head. And I'm like, I really am worried about what someone is going to think about me in this moment. So I have to con keep going back to that. You know, how strong am I in my beliefs? And does it really matter if this person likes me or not? So I think that's at the under core. If we can really practice like thinking about how much does it matter to me if someone likes me or approves of me. Um, but that, that can be kind of an ongoing process because it does take a little bit of time. I think some of the other things that are good to remember that let's say, and I, I can really speak to this in the network marketing industry because this comes up a lot that people are worried, is someone not going to like me if I approach them about my network marketing business? And what I always tell people is that the jury is already out on whether your friends like you or not. <laughs> so if you come to them about a network marketing business, it's not going to make them think higher of you or less than you about you. The jury is already out. And so don't worry about it. Just talk to them about it. And it may be the exact same, the exact same, sorry, the exact thing that they need. Another way to look at it as well is that and this is a great analogy. If a waiter comes up to you and offers you coffee at the end of your meal and you're like, no, I don't want coffee. The waiter doesn't burst into tears thinking it's something personal. <laughs> you just have said, no, I don't want coffee. <laughs> and it's the same thing with the network marketing business. You know, if someone says, no, this isn't for me, that is not a judgment about you. It's just at this moment, it's not the business for them. And that that's completely fine. It's that it's really interesting when you think of when I was approached by my friend about network marketing, I was really vehement. I was like, there's, I actually said to him, there's no way in hell I would ever do network marketing. <laughs> but he was so calm. He didn't take it personally. That was the first thing. And then he also didn't give me anything to push back against. Like he didn't make me wrong because we can get defensive if we feel someone is, you know, belittling us or not liking what we're talking about. But he was just really calm and just said, well, what do you really know about network marketing, Carmen? And that stopped me in my tracks. And I, then I thought, well, what do I really know? So it was interesting that he didn't take it personally. So I think this is the other thing is we have to really not th take things personally. Like in any given day, someone can be mean to you. They can be sharp. They can be snarky. It's never about you. You know, it's about their husband or their best friend said something to them or their boss, you know, and, and it just comes out because they're irritated. Um, I mean, I see it myself. Like when I call 
Wells Fargo and I'm on the phone for so long and I'm getting rerouted. By the time I get to an agent, I'm so mad. <laughs> and, you know, I'm very irritated. It's got nothing to do with that agent. So we, we have to remember that if someone's response to us is usually not even about us as well. So I always think back to that, that thing that happened to me. He was so calm. He didn't take it personally. He didn't give me anything to push back against. And he left the conversation open for us to continue talking about it. And then in that space, it actually made me rethink. The, the other final thing I want to say, too, is that it's really important that we get to a, a place in our life. And again, this does take practice and it will rear its head again at some point that we care what people think. It just happens. It's just we have to continually practice it. But we don't realize how our beliefs can actually impact someone else positively. Now, now I don't mean like being dogmatic or, you know, not changing our beliefs, but I'll give you an example. So I have this thing where I don't like eating after 7 p.m. because I wake up feeling sluggish. And the reason being is when we go to bed at night, that's when our, our body likes to rejuvenate, heal. And if it's busy trying to digest a meal, no wonder we wake up feeling puffy and unenergized, et cetera. But it can be a little difficult because a lot of people eat after 7 p.m., especially if you go out to a restaurant, you know, and especially if you're in Latin America or Miami. But I remember one time I was in Bali with this new group of friends and we were going out at 8 p.m. to this pizza place and everyone's ordering pizza. And of course I felt awkward. And of course that little thing is like, they're going to think I'm an idiot. But I was like, you know what? I just want some, some sparkling water. Totally good. You know, I didn't make a big deal about it but I just ordered sparkling water, everyone else, and they soon forgot about me. But what was interesting, a week later, one of my new friends said, you really inspired me to change my health habits. I watched how you very, you didn't make it a big deal. You weren't like preachy about it, but I really loved how you just, you didn't want to eat, so you didn't. And you were really nice about it. And he's like, I need to be stronger in situations like that where I don't capitulate just because someone wants me to have a beer or da 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 So we don't know how our little action of actually staying true to ourselves will actually inspire someone else to do the same thing. So if you're worried about being rejected, I would go back and look at what are you worried about? Strengthen your belief. So, so I'm gonna talk about network marketing again because that's where I hear it a lot with the people I, I teach and train. I always say, go back to why you believe in network marketing. And then when you're talking to someone, present it to them, realize it may or may not be for them. Don't take it personally keep the door open, don't give them anything to push against. And down the line, they may come back to you in a month and say to you, hey, are you still doing that network marketing thing? I heard that Oprah is doing network marketing. Like you never know. <laughs> so that, that would be my advice, but to also not make yourself wrong when it comes up that you care about what someone thinks because it's very human. And we just, it's a continual practice for me too. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot is that they tend to um, then get out like a club with spikes and hit themselves and make themselves a really bad person because someone said no. And maybe it was, they don't even know why the person said no. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Did you ever have someone who you approached about network marketing say no to you initially and then come back after you, you know, you've, you've been very successful and say like, well, wait a minute, tell me that thing you're doing. <laughs> Yes, so many, <laughs> so many. My parents, um, my my best girlfriend was the same. So it, it felt like it took like six months. It only took a month, but it was when I joined my second network marketing company. 
And um, I kept approaching her saying, because I had gone through this process of vetting since I'd sold my other one. And then I went through a process of a year and a half looking at 73 companies, narrowing it down to two, spending another year and a half and chose one. So when I, when I chose it, I was like, Amy, you need to come in with me right away. Um, and she's like, you know, just, you know, let me see what you're going to do. I'm just going to like hang out for a little bit more. And probably every like five days, I'd be like, Amy, come on, you got to get in with me. It was a little bit of a different dynamic because she was my best friend. So I could push her a little bit more. And eventually, like a month later, she did come in. But there have been countless people where I've presented to. And then, you know, six months later, a year later, come back and say, even things like, are you still doing that network marketing thing? You know, how's that going? You know, I kind of would like to take a, a, another look at it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's why I really believe in um, Napoleon Hill talks about burning your bridges. And that, that I believe when you go into something full out, like you're just like, I'm doing this no matter what, but never burn bridges with people because mm. you don't know, you know, just keep that door open and you don't know. And, and I always like, if someone says, you know, this isn't for me, I'll just say, totally fine. Totally get it. Would you like me to keep in contact with you every few months to send you through anything I think might be of interest? Um, and then you can just see, do they want you to? And if they're like, no, I'll contact you saying totally good. You know, just give people the opportunity and then again, never take it personally, but try to always keep the door open. What I should say, since the listeners won't see this is I'm sitting here talking to Carmen. She's at her house in Maui and the doors are open and there's, you know, this beautiful lush greenery. Her house is up on a cliff. Prior to that, when I went and saw Carmen in Miami, she had this beautiful, uh, condo in a beautiful building with multiple sides of it, all glass floor to ceiling windows. And then I've had calls with Carmen while she was in Bali, um, overlooking the rice fields. So Carmen lives in these absolutely beautiful places. And those are just a few of, of the many that her lifestyle has afforded her. So it's not unusual, I would imagine, that people would come back and be like, how do I get that lifestyle? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think too, even if they don't see, you know, necessarily where I live, because now obviously with social media, we show that more, but I've been in network marketing for 20 years. So I'd say like the first 12 years, people didn't really see really what was going on. You know, now we use that to promote. But what I found is that by me being consistently there, and, and I talk a lot about consistency with people, that I would rather someone is just consistent over time then give me like a whole bunch of effort and then just disappear. But I think because I've just been consistent over all of those years, people would come back and say, hey, you're still involved in that, aren't you? I'd, I'd like to take another look. And so that's why I think with anything, whether it's our fitness, our relationships, our business, it's just being consistent over time. And then that, that also shows people that we're still there, we're solid, we're trustworthy. When I think of some of my you know, people I really admire, um, like Marie Forleo, obviously I admire hugely and she helped me take my business online back in 2011. And back in the day, a lot of traditional businesses were taking their business online, but not network marketers and not, not in this kind of different way. And one of the things that I still think Marie does so well is she's been so consistent for what, like 15, maybe even 20 years now too, where every week she has like a five minute video. And that shows people like she's always there. She's trustable. She's not going anywhere. So I think that's something for us. It's hard when we don't get the immediate results, but if we can think of it's really the long game and that story of the tortoise winning, 
is a cliche, is a parable, is a fairy tale that we always go back to because it's so true. Like it's the person who stays with it consistently that is going to win in the end. Yeah. Now, you know, I think, how do you combat getting bored, distracted, whatever, with that long-term consistency? Mm. <laughs> you know, well, the bright, shiny object and the, the allure of the something new. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I probably combat it with starting different businesses. Like, that's the one thing. I always have a lot of businesses on the go. Um, and I'm always trying to rein them in. I, I always talk about them as my octopus legs, and I'm trying to, like, bring the octopus legs in. And that was part of the reason I rebranded two and a half years ago because I needed like a soul craft to really house everything. So I think I deal with um, boredom or I wouldn't say boredom, but wanting to stay fresh and stay inspired by creating. And that's a very different than being attracted by different shiny objects that keep you going mm. here and here and here because creation is from within. Chasing shiny objects is from what someone else tells us that we should be chasing. So if anyone feels like, ooh, like I want to keep like inspired and I want to keep um, interested in what I'm doing, keep creating. And do it from where, what you see that your team, like let's say in network marketing, all of my systems have come out of, they weren't just things I thought of, oh, I should create this. It was because there was a need in my team for this. So creation from within will keep you inspired, keep you not bored. <laughs> but chasing shiny objects is never going to work because usually there's somebody else's dream that they're, you know, dangling in front of you. And then you're just chasing something that's outside of your values. I think the other thing is really important. And, and um, I always say that cliches and things that we know are out there because they work. Things like dream boards really work because it keeps you focused visually on what's important to you. You know, looking at your why every morning really works because it keeps you laser-like focused on what's important to you. And I always have the litmus test when something new comes across, is that in alignment with my goals for this year? Because, you know, in, in the spiritual world, we always say there's an abundance of time, but we still deal with how much bandwidth do I have in any given day? And we only have so much bandwidth. So we have to be choosy. And one thing I, I really promote is saying no to things. And I, I'm really good at that like saying no to things that aren't going to be aligned with where I went ahead. Yeah, that's powerful. I think, you know, um, and I appreciate you saying yes to this too. Yes. Oh, I really, well, this is important to me. <laughs> this is very in alignment with my values. <laughs> well, thank you. And, you know, I think what you said about creating soul craft to really house all of your interests, like you've got that umbrella and everything you're creating coming through that is in alignment. So it's all part of that bigger expression of your dream. Yes. And if anyone's struggling with this idea of loving too many things, I think a really good practice is to really focus on three things that you're really passionate about and having your brand or your team or whatever you're trying to simplify be about three things. And the reason being that's good, really good energetically for us because it helps keep us focused. But also when you're talking to other people, people, like for example, people know that Soulcraft is health, business, and life design. And then I do have a fourth thing, dance is infused with everything, but that's more like my, my pure enjoyment. Like that's my vibration lifter. But if anyone looks at Soulcraft, they know health, business, life design. And it's the same thing, like if you're struggling with how do I simplify, think in threes. 
because mm -hmm. your customers will relate to that. It's very easy to remember. And it's very good energetically for you to focus on that, that as well. So three things. Yeah. What would you say, when was the time where you took a big leap of faith? I mean, you've taken mm -hmm. many, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like I'm not risk, what's not, not risk adverse. What's the, I'm not a huge risk taker. Like I'm not going to um, do the investment that has a huge, massive return, but it's really risky or like, I, I don't really have a, a desire to jump out of planes. Like I'm not a huge risk taker <laughs> by any means, but at the same time, when I really want to do something, I'm just like, I'm going to do it. Like I have this belief that I'm going to be able to make it happen. Um, so I wouldn't say I'm a massive risk taker, but I do believe in my ability to figure things out. And I think that came from a naivety when I was younger that then progressed into a belief. So it is actually a really good belief to have, like I can do anything. And where that comes from is knowing that I'm going to be able to figure out, or I can find a coach or I can find someone that can help me with it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I remember when I first thought about network marketing, whether I was going to do it or not. And that friend that challenged me, and then I still had to make a decision. And I remember walking up and down the beach, thinking about it and talking to, to my husband at the time about it. So it's not always that I will make a, a quick decision, but the things that I really want to decide on, I'll put the time and I do do pros and cons and, but oftentimes I'll go outside and then I'll, I'll do something like movement wise, like walking to make a decision. Um, so th that was a risk in a sense. It wasn't a huge monetary risk. It was back in 1997 and it was only $2,000 at the time. But you think in today's world, like that probably was about 10 grand, eight or 10 grand you know, if you relate that to today's world, but it still wasn't a massive risk, except, you know, maybe for what people would think of me, but I just had this gut feeling, like it ticked all the boxes. And once I get that feeling inside, it's pretty well, no one's going to stop me. Um, I would say another risk was probably a bigger risk monetarily when we launched Sacred Lotus Love, which is our online gift company. So that was more of a risk because it was a lot of money. And I also launched my nutrition bar company at the same time. And so that was probably more of a risk, but it was things I'd always wanted to do. And I knew I could probably figure it out. And the thing is you can pivot as well. So as those two businesses were going along, and this, this is really important to remember as an entrepreneur, you can start things and you can shift as well. There's no, no shame in shifting. So as those two businesses were going along, Sacred Lotus Love was getting more momentum. I kept coming up across, across um, obstacles for Soco, which is my nutrition bar company, the biggest of which I couldn't find a manufacturer to manufacture to my standards. Mm -hmm. So there came a point, this was really flowing, Sacred Lotus Love and Soco, I kept getting um, obstacles and they were both requiring a lot of money because when you start new businesses, it's like three to five years of just sinking in your profits. So what I did is I just closed down Soco and that's still sitting there. So I've got the rest recipe, I've got the website, I've got everything, I've got design, everything, because it actually was launched in Australia. But I pivoted and said, okay, I'm just going to close that for now. Let's focus on Sacred Lotus Love because it's requiring so much money and I can come back to this. So I think in terms of your question about risk, I think... Probably because, let me see here, I'm trying to think of how to put this like really succinctly so, so others can make good decisions. I think when you have something that you have to make a tough decision and, and it, it involves money, you do need to do the research 
You do need to ask other people, but it always comes back to, do you really believe in it? And do you have your faith in yourself? If that's yes, then go for it. But then know as you're going along, you can pivot. There's no, like I, I one of my really good friends who's an amazing entrepreneur, he, um, he was the one that actually taught us how to private label to sell on Amazon. His business is absolutely incredible. And one of his biggest skills is, because he does many different businesses, is when it's not working, he quickly changes and he doesn't waste two years getting money just sucked, you know, dry. You know, he's very good at making. So I like to tell entrepreneurs that too. There comes a point where you can say, okay, I need to put this on hold or I need to shift. And that's okay as well. So don't get stuck in, okay, I made this decision. I've got to see it through till till the end and then it sucks you dry <laughs> so that you can actually pivot as well. And there's no shame in that at all. That's a super important point because I think just hearing you go through that is I think that the reason why it doesn't feel like it was a big risk, if you're always knowing you can pivot, then there's really no wrong decision because if it doesn't seem to have the initial return or the initial momentum you expect, then you just, okay, how can we, you know, pivot from here? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm a really big believer in bootstrap financing. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that your, your company actually is, we'll say, for example, the Sacred Lotus Lab, we injected cash into it. And then after that first year, it was from the funds, it was paying for everything else. So then we built that up for a couple of years. Then we got so big that we had to get loans through like PayPal and whatnot to, for inventory. But we had enough two years of data to know that we're going to be able to make these sales fail to pay back that loan. Now we're also very smart on getting a good loan percentage. So that's the thing you have to be very smart about as well. And know this, this is a really good thing to know too. Anybody that is going to give you a loan, you can um, negotiate the percentage. So for example, with PayPal, I went back to them and said, Hey, um, what was the other one? Cabbage is willing to give me this percent. Will you match it? And they matched it even better. So don't be scared to ask to even negotiate like interest loans. But I didn't take out a loan. So Sacred Lotus Love was funded by my cash. Then it funded itself for two years. When we reached a point where we needed more inventory, then we did take out a loan, but I took it out with a good interest rate. And also knowing based on two years of data, we would be able to easily pay it back. So you have to, you have to be smart about the risks that you take too. So I would never suggest someone getting as big a loan that we did initially because you have no data to support that you can pay back that loan. So you, you need to be smart, smart as well. So in that case, you know, get a business coach or someone who's been in that world and find out. Um, so you don't want to be, you know, like it wouldn't have been good for me to say, okay, I want to do Sacred Lotus Love. Let's just take a loan out now and I've got no data. <laughs> you have to also be smart, smart yeah. about it. Yeah. And that's, I think sometimes people get so excited about whatever it is that they think, oh, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to order, you know, even 5,000 units of whatever it is day one before you have any proof of concept or yeah, idea of yes. the market. Yeah. And you have to, like, you just have to, like, especially in today's world, like stuff changes so quickly and what you would think would go well, you know, sometimes doesn't. So it's, yeah. And it's very different to put in your own money. And if you lose that, you can come back from that. But if you've taken a loan out in the beginning and you lose that, having to pay that back, that can cause just too much stress. Yeah. So choose, yeah, choose wisely. And def definitely, I would say if you're getting into that, get a business coach or talk to someone who's done it. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's, 
that's invaluable because you can't, you know, you don't want to lose your house. You can lose, no, cash, you can lose but, the savings. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. What would you say, um, what's going to be next for you? Cause you've had, you know, a lot going <laughs> on. And, well, this is going to surprise you. So, so my, my kind of my culmination of um, well, not the first part is going to surprise you what it's leading to. So the culmination of my 20 years. So I reached my 20 year mark of being in network marketing and being an entrepreneur essentially. And um, I developed a course called soul craft away to hundred K, which is an eight week program that teaches people how to do network marketing differently. Cause that's the one thing is I always did it very, very differently, but also teaches them how to have a life that works. Because what I've always been really big about is network marketing, money, but making sure your health, your relationships, your purpose, everything is working. Because it's no good having tons of money and you're unhealthy or you have no friends or your partnership is a wreck. So Soulcraft Your Way to 100K helps network marketers break that 100K income barrier because that seems to be like once you break that, you're golden. So it's an eight-week program. Um, I have a mastermind for those that go through it that are then invited if they're – so it's, it's a system that right now was launch-based which I'm now just taking evergreen, which means that people can join at any time. So I'm obviously loving doing this because it's really my 20 years in it. You know how I talked about soul, soul craft had to house everything. So this program kind of houses everything and I'm, it's, I'm very involved as well. It's not a course that people go through. There's like weekly coaching calls. So it's like very hands-on and they get a lot of access to me, but probably I'll do this probably for two to three more years. Um, and then the goal, and this is where I thought you'd probably be surprised because everyone's like, you're crazy, Carmen, is I want to go back to my original idea of having a, um, a retreat that people can go to. And I'm going to tell you the name, but it's not actually, you know, the name will just tell you sort of the idea. It's not going to be the name. So the retreat would be called Swept Away. So it's where you maybe go once a, once a year. But locally, there, is, there are studios that have like dance and yoga and, and health and life design and products, and they're called Swept Away Every Day. So you have a place to go that you can totally reset, but then in your local city that you live, you have your studio that you go to every day so you can keep connected. Because I've, I've led retreats, and I know people find it really difficult to go back to their hometown, and all that beautiful stuff they learned in the retreat, they can't implement because they lose sight of it you know, when they're in their own, their own town. So that's been my dream probably 25 years ago. I dreamt that up. Wow. And um, then, of course you know, it was perfect. Like I wanted to go online and do all these other things, but go figure after all of this, I want to have a brick and mortar. <laughs> so, but you know, it'll still have like all the online courses. It'll have, you know, my products and all of those type of things, but it's kind of the, um, I think sometimes we just go full circle. You start with an idea and then you go all the way around and you come back to like, I actually want a brick and mortar place, you know? So yeah, go figure. So that's, that's probably three years. And I'd like to actually start it in Australia if possible. And then we'll do the swept away. Right now, the retreats I do are still branded Soulcraft. And I haven't thought of another name. It may always stay Soulcraft. But the idea is you have a retreat you can go to and you have a local place where you can have everything that I teach as well. And then I'd like to franchise it out so that nice. you know, women can own that. You know, it can be their, their business. Because I'm really big about um, teaching people to have their own businesses. That sounds fun. I mean, I think that it's amazing. I think it sounds like a lot of work. Um, <laughs> Probably, probably. But you know, it's funny. My, my first husband always said, 
like he was just like, I just want to retire when I'm 40. And I'm like, I don't think I want to retire. Like, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> now, I know there's lots of things, but I do love creating. Like, I think I get a lot of enjoyment from that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, is that you love seeing people's lives transformed truly, genuinely. And that's, you know, I don't think you could do the work that you do at the level you do without that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think living around the world gives me, you know, I have lots of holidays because I'm living in these beautiful places and I'm, I really do take it seriously about not waiting for your holiday to live the life that you love. So that's why teaching dance gives me so much joy in the moment. So I think if you can create the life as you want it, there's no need to retire because you're actually living the life that you want. Um, and it's not to say I don't, I really want to be clear about this. I have huge ups and downs in our business as well, you know, and, but it's just, it's all, I really have this belief that no matter where I am, there will be challenges. So it's just, how can I solve them? Yes. I mean, I think that sense of resiliency and that sense of there's always something expecting the challenges as opposed to expecting everything to go perfectly. And then something comes up and you're not able to handle it. It just, it sets the expectation. Well, of course I can handle it. I know this is going to come. This is part of the territory as opposed to a surprise. Yeah. Yes. And that it doesn't mean anything about you. Like, because sometimes we can personalize it. Like, why is this happening to me? Like, why is life so hard? And it's, it's not that it's just like life. I, I really, I, th I mean, I think it was Tim Ferriss that said an entrepreneur is really a, a challenge solver. You know, that's really what an entrepreneur is. <laughs> so I took that on board. Okay. I am here to solve challenges. <laughs> yeah. And in my own life too. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, you know, the entrepreneur's real journey is figuring out, okay, well, what problem do these people have? Okay. I think I have a solution. Let me tinker with it and help these people. Like it's a heart-based desire to help. Yeah. Um, now you're always one who is so into growth and self-development. What would you say, what are the top three books everybody should read? Mm, I love that question. Okay. So Think and Grow Rich, even though it's written in older language and it's harder to get through these days just because we don't talk like that anymore, but there's some key things in there like about focus um, and about helping others, how if we exactly what you were talking about. If we find a solution for other people, that helps us. So it's, it's just, I, it was really the book that shifted me in also wealth creation too, like believing I actually could be wealthy. Um, so number one, Think and Grow Rich. Number two, Ask and It's Given by Jerry and Esther Hicks. And then number three, what would I say? I really like Gay Hendricks, um, the, uh, the leap and I'm forgetting the name shoot the great leap. I think so. Okay. And ba basically what it is, it's all about our beliefs and that's, that's why I really like it because everything that we do really goes back to what are we feeling? What are we believing? So it, we really have to look at our beliefs on a day-to-day -day basis. So whatever we believe, then we, we feel, then we take action and then we get the result. So we can't just get busy in doing, we've got to actually go back to, okay, what am I actually believing? Do I believe I have to work really hard to make money? Do I believe that, you know, people who have money aren't good people? You know, really what are our beliefs? Because that determines our actions. So yeah, I would say those, those three books. Murray Forleo just put out a great book that I've, I'm about halfway through. Everything is figureoutable. 
And it's brilliant because she really pulls from all the, like Tony Robbins, Gay Hendricks, many different things. And she has a beautiful way of taking these concepts and putting them in very much layman's terms that anyone can relate to in a fun way. So that, that's also a really good new book. Fantastic. What's, what's your favorite book? Mm, um, gosh, I would say, I'm looking at my bookshelf, um, I'm a little bit of a book junkie and I feel very safe when I have my books. Think and Grow Rich is definitely, you know, one of the all time mm -hmm. great ones. Um, I love The Trance of Scarcity. Okay. I haven't read that one. Okay. I love that, that one. Um, I tell people to read that one a lot. And then um, another one would be from like, from the yoga perspective right now, um, Eddie Stern just wrote a book I absolutely adore called One Simple Thing. Okay. And he kind of took the science of yoga and the, the philosophy and merged it. Okay. So One Simple kind of, Thing. Yeah. It's what people have known like for years. And then he did a study and it's looking at polyvagal theory and all the geeky science stuff that I adore and okay. why it works and how. Um, so for me, it really rekindled my, my, my love of the practice. It's like this, I, I sat at my table and I read it like nonstop and I would like hold it up to my husband and be like, this is why I love yoga. And I told all of my teachers at one of our meetings, I said, hey, read this book, write like a short synopsis, what it means to you like a book report and yeah. I'll pay you for the book. And nobody did it. Wow. I know, which I they were like, Oh my God, this book is so dry. Does she really? <laughs> but, but I think it's, it's the science side. So looking at it from that evidence based um, side of things and really diving deeper into the philosophy and into the physiology of it. It's a lot of the yeah. heart math stuff as well. Like that. Okay. Principle. Everything okay. I'm seeming to look at is converging on coherence, heart rate variability, polyvagal theory, um, and, and all of that geeky science stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's so neat to see heart math getting so much exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that it's even um, the last date with destiny I was at with Tony Robbins when he's doing the oneness exercise, it's, it's teaching them heart rate variability really. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. And, and those oneness principles. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, here's the science that yes, exactly what he's saying works. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that that's an exciting thing for the entire world of health and wellness is that things work. And now that there's some evidence behind things, you know, what we've all known and what we've seen can be legitimized somehow. Yeah. yeah. We've got um, the data to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. So those are some of my favorites. Um, there's a book I also have people read called How Yoga Works. And it's by Geshe Michael Roach. And it talks about, it's the same guy that wrote The Diamond Cutter. And he talks about yoga from a story perspective. So it's like the parable, mm. telling all of the stories of the, the yoga sutras through a story. Okay. Okay. I have to put, put that. I love books too. So I have to. <laughs> yeah. And then I have, I have a stack of, of, I'm doing a lot of just marketing and different stuff this year. So there's yeah. a book called play bigger that is, okay. is really good. And then I'm, I love Russell Brunson's books, expert secrets. And so those have been big ones this year. Too. Okay. I love hearing book recommendations. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, it depends on the genre, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Those are good. Um, did I ask you, what do you wish you knew when you were starting out? If, if you could tell a younger you. Yes. You know, I, I, this has been on my mind recently and it's, I actually was told. And so, and it's the only regret I have in my business. And this is, um, there's been times where I've been really good with blogging or doing videos. And then I've taken like six months hiatus because I'm developing a program or I'm busy or falling in love or (laughs) so my business is always going, but my content has not always been consistent. Mm -hmm. And when I first really got into the online world, that was stress to me. And as I said, I have been very good, but there's been big, big hiatuses. I think that's the, the big thing. Anyone that's starting, it doesn't matter if you're choosing once a month to get your content out or once every two weeks or maybe on social media, you're just doing three times a week, but just make sure it's consistent. That literally is the only thing I regret in my business is those, those, those hiatuses. Yeah. Because every time you, you go back into it, you have to kind of build your list up again and they've forgotten that you're there and you're not providing value. And yeah, so that's, that's the one thing. And again, just to stress, it doesn't have to be every week. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot in social media now that people are posting only three times a week versus, and even I, I used to do two times a day because that was what was recommended. And I moved probably six months ago to once a day. And I haven't noticed, if anything, my account has grown. So it's not so much the, the quantity, it's just the consistency. Yeah. And then other than that, um, I think a big thing is to always keep learning. And this, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about now because it's really, well, it, this is more the further along you get. Because the further along we get, we're so busy in our businesses and we, we know a lot, but we have to keep learning. And that's kind of been my, my new thing this year. I've got to get back into learning more because I've just been so busy building. And that's beautiful to be creating, but I need to keep be, be having new ideas and not just always be in creation mode. So that's a little bit further on. Earlier on, I would say um, do whatever you can to believe in yourself. Like whatever it is, like hanging around different people, do, doing yoga courses, because that, that yoga, I feel, helps, and dance, helps people really believe in themselves because it really centers you. Because I really, especially for women, the only thing that is holding you back is belief in yourself. So do whatever you can to solidify that. And that will help you go. Like if I had have believed in myself probably more in the beginning, I probably would have gone further. So yeah, whatever you can, build that, build that confidence, build that muscle. What are your favorite ways to do that? Anything that helps you feel good is going to okay. naturally build your confidence. So this is a big reason I dance. And when you see me dancing, you can see my essence because that's just what I love so much. So I keep that such a big part of my life because that always builds my confidence because it keeps me really connected to me. Um, also, being around people that are very positive and see the 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 possibility, the greatness in you, rather than people that are naysayers, of course. You know, that's, that's a really big thing. Um, and then continually doing things that you're learning because that builds your self-confidence too. So, you know, whether it's like a little course here, reading a book here, as, as long as you're, you're really spending time in becoming a master in what you're doing, that's going to gain confidence. Ooh, and there's one final thing. I, this is like the biggest thing. And I, I talk about it a lot and I forgot to talk about it. The biggest way you can develop 
confidence is to stay in integrity with yourself. Mm. It's the biggest because, and of course, integrity with other people. But if we do what we say, we start getting this unshakable confidence and other people notice that. And that's why they join us because they know we're sure and we're certain. Now, and this is really important to know too. Of course, sometimes we're going to set the bar too high. Maybe like I did a post about this the other night, um, how you can get through one book a month is simply by reading 10 minutes a day. And there might be one day that you don't do 10 minutes, but all you have to do is renegotiate with yourself. And so what that means is not putting under the rug and ignoring that you didn't stay true to yourself. It's actually consciously saying, okay, I didn't do 10 minutes last night. I'm going to do 20 minutes tomorrow. Or you know what? That was a really busy day and I just needed a day off, but you're conscious about it. You're renegotiating without just sweeping it under the rug. Because when you sweep it under the rug, that's when it starts to erode your self-confidence. If you renegotiate, that's totally fine because you've been conscious about saying, hey, <laughs> maybe my standard was too high. That's okay. Or maybe I just need a kick in the pants. But you have to be conscious about that. And that helps grow your self-confidence. I love that so much. I, you definitely taught me that. I think I was one who would always put down so much that I was going to do in any given week. And I think at one point you're like, just things that you're 80% certain you can do. And I was like, oh, well, that doesn't seem big enough. And you know, that's a lesson that I've shared with so many people because it's you put down this huge lofty goal that if everything goes right and the stars align, you can accomplish. And then when you don't, you beat yourself with a club, you know, mm -hmm. like ah, and it derails the confidence and then you don't feel like doing anything the next week. Yeah, yes. And you hit into it a really, really important thing. Anytime we're feeling down, the best thing we can do is think, think about something good we did that we can praise ourselves for because you automatically feel good and that's a better place to reset your goals. It's really hard to set your goals if you're beating yourself up and you're feeling like shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so think about something good you did. I, I just went through this with one of my clients where she was beating herself up because I have a weekly action plan that people do and she wasn't enrolling people. But I was like, okay, let's look at everything you did do. You set up team training for your team. I mean, you have a system now. You've been consistent on social media. You're actually doing your WAP, which your weekly action plan, which you weren't. This is amazing. You've only now just started to get into the process of inviting and, and presenting. So it's going to take a little bit of time. So let's look at what you did well. Let's reset our goals from that point, not from feeling like you haven't accomplished anything. Because that, that just never does anyone any good. So good. So good, Carmen. Tell me, where can people catch up with you? Oh my goodness. Okay. So my website, CarmenMarshall.com, really easy. Um, I have tons of, if you go to resources, I have tons of free stuff there. There's a quiz on my site that's free as well. So you can figure out if you need to put focus in your business, your health, your life design. Um, in under resources is my store, but it starts off with free stuff. Um, also, all my programs are there too. You can also find me on Instagram and I do a lot of free stuff on there. And that's just at Carmen underscore Marshall. And so those are probably the two, the two best places to find me these days. Oh, and YouTube as well. Um, and then that's just really easy. It's just Carmen Marshall. I also have a new IGTV. So if you're a big Instagram lover, you'll see my YouTube videos on IGTV as well on Instagram. Fantastic. It has been such a pleasure and such an honor to have you here. I, I appreciate it. it. As always, you're inspiring and just such a bright light. And, you know, I think that 
getting to connect with people like you has been the best part of of business for me and and just of my journey. So thank you for that and oh. for just for being who you are and continuing to be such a bright, shining light. Oh, you're so welcome, Leanne. Yeah, I'm so glad that our paths crossed and I, you got to come up to Miami. Yes. <laughs> we got to spend more time as well and just love being on this podcast and talking about all these things and, and just being really real so that people can see the entrepreneurial journey, the good, the bad, everything. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Epic Journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a rating and a review. I truly hope that you got something out of this episode that you can use on your own epic journey.